so honored to be here. It's a, a great pleasure and a privilege to be with you today. My wife and I have been looking forward to being with you. Uh, this is my wife, Terry. Uh, this July, we'll have been married 36 years. Uh, she's put up with me that long, praise God. Uh, and five kids. Our oldest is 31, and our youngest is 18. We've had a kid in our house for 31 years, and our youngest graduates this year. So we're trying to reinvent ourselves moving forward. Just the other day, we were traveling, and she and I were both talking, what's life going to be like without kids, having five kids? And so, but it's been such a great privilege and honor to have those kids. We thought our younger daughter was going to be here today. We adopted her from China, and she's just a delight to us. And she's uh, headed off to the University of Oklahoma uh, just in a few few weeks, so we're excited about that. If you got your Bibles or your device, I want you to look up a scripture passage, uh, Psalm 119. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 119. Now my wife, I'm glad she's here, she traveled with me today, she loves lists. Any of you guys like to do lists here? So you have your list. Now my wife likes lists so much, she'll have a list for a list, okay? So she'll have a list for a list. The other day we were doing something for my daughter and uh, we were, she's on the tennis team and uh, I offered to um, get them lunch for their district tournament. And so uh, Terry was helping me and I was going to go to Sam's and get some stuff. And she said, now did you make a list? I said, no, I can get everything I need. All right. And so I get back to my truck and I realized I should have listened to my wife. <laughs> I didn't have everything on my list. Now, we have this note on our fridge. It's the list that we need when we go to the grocery store. And I'll say, Terry, did you get the peanut butter? She said, did you put it on the list? I'll say, did you get the toilet paper? She'll say, did you put it on the list? So I'd do better if I had a list and I went by it. I'm too ADD to have a list because I make a list and I forget what I put on my list or I leave my list somewhere else. But I think God is a person of lists. When you look at the Bible, you see a lot of lists, okay? You see the 10 what? The 10 commandments. It's a list of commandments. You see the 12 tribes of Israel. So there are 12 tribes of Israel. You see the lineage of Christ. When you look through the Bible, you see the lineage of Christ. You see all the names of those that came before Christ. Even the, the psalmist in the Proverbs says this, um, he says in Proverbs 6.16, there are six things the Lord hates, seven are detestable to him. So I believe that God likes lists when we look at lists. We're going to look today, this morning, at Psalm 119. Now, if you've ever looked at the book of Psalms, you'll know a couple of things about Psalm 119. If you're like me, when I first started reading the Bible, I didn't want to read Psalm 119. It was too long. And so I've started reading it. I'll read it in portions. But Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. It's also the longest chapter in the Bible. Now, Psalm 119 was probably written to be read rather than sung. Okay, Psalm 19 is a, is a poem of uh, Hebrew letters. So it's 22 stanzas that start with each of the Hebrew alphabet, all right? But with eight verses under each of those stanzas. So this morning we're going to look at what Psalm 119 is all about. We're going to look at all 176 verses this morning. 
No, not really. We're going to just look at a portion of those verses today because the psalmist, when he wrote this, he is writing to us about the description of God's Word, what God's Word is to him and what God's Word is to us. And when you read Psalm 119, you're going to realize that not only does the psalmist talk about God's Word, he is also intermingling prayer in there. So he intermingles in his writing his prayer to God, but he's also talking back to God, telling God about his word and what it means to him. So this morning I want us to look at God's word and what it, what it can mean to us. Part of it is that we have forgotten the importance of God's word. We make this more important than this. This takes more of our time than this. God's word is ancient, but guess what? It's still the most relevant word today. And so this morning, I want us to take some, a few moments to look at what the psalmist describes to you and me about God's word. So we're just going to fly through some of these scriptures, all right? Uh, so if you got your device or your Bible, we're going to look at Psalm 119. The first verse we're going to look at is verse 24. The psalmist says, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. What does a counselor do? A counselor advises us. A counselor instructs us. A counselor helps us. A counselor advises us in our time of need or decision. But I remember some 15 years ago when I turned 47, I went through the darkest, deepest time of my life. I had been sending people to counselors all during my ministry. But I came to a place in my life I needed to see a counselor. I was going through depression. I was going through anxiety. And I, had, I just turned 47. I didn't know where it came from. But I needed someone, something to advise me. And when I turned 47, I started really hanging on to God's word, letting God's word advise me in the deepest, darkest place in my life. So what does God's Word do? It advises us. The next thing I see is this, uh, verse 39. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. So what does good mean? When we think of something good, we think of quality, right? We think of quality. God's Word is quality. And what it does for you and me, when we read it, when we meditate upon it, when we memorize it, it does this. It brings quality to our lives. And God wants you to have his quality in your life. The next thing I see is this. Verse 45. It says this. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. God's word brings freedom. God's word to you and me is liberating. It's the liberating work in our life. You want to be liberated from something that maybe you're going through? Take some time to read, meditate, and memorize God's word. Let it memorize. Let you, you need to memorize it. You need to meditate on it so that it will liberate whatever you may be bound by. God's word is good. God's word is liberating. God's word is quality. God's word set us, sets us free. God's word is our counselor. Verse 49 says this, Remember your word to your servant, for you have 
given me hope. God's word gives us hope. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. We celebrated that God was alive. God's word gives us hope that he is alive, that he is well. God wants you to know that he is alive and he is well. He gives us hope. Verse 50 says this, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. God's word keeps you alive and it makes you and it gives you a vibrant spiritual life. God wants each of us in this room, God wants us to have a spiritual, vibrant life. And the only way we can have a spiritual, vibrant life is to read it, is to know it, is to memorize it, is to seek it. You see, my wife wants me to have a vibrant life with her. She wants us to keep this relationship going. And so what I have to do is I have to make an effort to make our life vibrant. For us to have a spiritually vibrant life, we have to make the effort to know God's Word. There's nothing greater than knowing God's Word. When I turned 14, I had some buddies. I played football all my life growing up. I had some buddies, they invited me to a Bible study. I'd never been to a Bible study. But at that Bible study, I can remember it like it was yesterday. All those football players were sitting around a table, and the leader challenged me to do something. He challenged me to read God's Word every day. I don't say this boastfully. I only say this because I made the vow. Since I was 14, I've read God's Word every day except two. And those two is because I was in North Korea and I couldn't take my Bible with me. And I had to memorize His Word. And so what I did is I tried to recall His Word while I was in the country of North Korea because I couldn't take God's Word with me. I don't tell you that to boast. I tell you that because when I have forgotten, God will wake me up in the middle of the night and say, Wade, you forgot to read my word. God's word gives us a vibrant life. It preserves us. Next, I, I see in verse 52, I remember, Lord, your ancient laws. I find comfort in them. God's word gives us reassurance that he is there. It reminds us of his presence. God's Word reminds you and me that He is present. Not only is He present in our life, God's Word reminds us that He's present in this chaotic world. God hasn't left us. God is here. God's Word reminds us that He uh, is there, that His presence is still around. God's Word also comforts us. Verse 52 says this, I remember, Lord, your ancient laws. I find comfort in them. I think I just read that one. Go to 72. Verse 72 says this. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. God's word is of great value. There's nothing more important than God's word. You see why it's so important for us to know God's word? Because there's nothing more important than God's Word. God's Word not only is important and of great value, it's precious, it's eternal. Look at verse 89. Your Word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. God's Word is without beginning or end. 
John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God's Word is eternal. If we look at Scripture, we'll see that the Bible says, The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of God stands firm forever. God's Word is eternal. And for us, we'll be spending eternity with God if we know Him. God's Word is also boundless. Verse 96 says this, To all perfection I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. It's infinite. It's vast. It's unlimited. My son, my uh, third son, uh, we try to do a trip for our kids when they graduate from high school. One of the things he wanted to do was go scuba diving. I had never been scuba diving, didn't want to go scuba diving. I was afraid of scuba diving. I just knew that I was going to get claustrophobic, not be able to breathe, not be able to, 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 to survive. I thought I was going to drown. But because my son wanted to do it, I said I would do it. So we took a trip and we went scuba diving. But I remember when I got underwater and I finally kind of got my nerves under control and knew I wasn't going to drown, I started looking around at the vastness of the creation underwater. I saw the fish. I saw the, the floor of the ocean. It was like God came alive to me as I was seeing his creation. There's so much stuff about God's word that we don't know, we don't understand. It's, it's limitless. And when we read God's word, sometimes we get this mentality. I've read that before. I'm getting kind of bored. But let me challenge you. Tomorrow, when you read God's word or this afternoon, God, just say this prayer. God, make your word fresh to me. God, let me see things I've never seen before. It'll be like this. It'll be like God opening up the, the oceans and you will see things that you have never seen before. Sometimes I think we take God's word too lightly. We don't let him speak to us like he wants to speak to us. God's word is limitless. Nothing can bind it. Nothing can hold it. Then verses 99 and 100 says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. The psalmist said this, your word gives me wisdom. We all need wisdom. God's word gives us wisdom of things. This is one of my favorite verses, verse 103. He says this, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. God's word is his flavoring on you. Did you hear that? God's word is his flavoring on you and his flavoring to you. He is saying to you and me, when we read his word, I am sweet. There's nothing better than me. When I was a kid, I, I grew up in the country. Right? I'm a country boy from Oklahoma. I'm from a little town called Shakota. Has anybody ever heard of Carrie Underwood? Uh, that's where Carrie Underwood's from. I know her family. She's actually from a little town called Onapa which is smaller than Shakota, and that's where my mom is from, is on Napa. But I remember as a little boy, the first time somebody introduced me to honeysuckle. Anybody ever smelled honeysuckle? 
I remember as a little boy the first time I smelled honeysuckle. And then my buddy said, hey, you can rip that off and you can taste the honey on that. And so I did it. And you could taste the honey, the sweetness of the honeysuckle. God's word is sweet. It's sweeter than the taste of honey to my lips. You see, as the psalmist is writing this, he's being reminded of who God is to him. So it's important for us to know God's word because we begin to understand who God is to us. He's sweeter than honey. That's one of my favorites. I, I, I like candles. I'm a guy, I, but I like candles, all right? And so in my office, my little man cave, I've got my animals I'm hanging up in there and everything, but I have my candles because I like these fragrances. I can't imagine what heaven's going to be like. The fragrances that we'll smell, the things that we'll see. God's word's a taste of heaven. It reminds us of what he's going to be like. Verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word gives us direction. It points us in the right way. It's our compass. It's our GPS. Verse 111 says this, Your statutes are my heritage. They are the joy of of my heart. God's word brings us joy. God's word is delightful. God's word is exceptionally satisfying. God wants to satisfy you through his word. That's how we get to know God, is through his word. Verse 129 says, your statutes are wonderful. God's word is wonderful. It causes astonishment. It causes astonishment. God wants to astonish you. He wants to let you know what he's really like. Verse 130 says, The unfolding of your words gives light. It is an understanding to the simple. God's word makes things visible. The great running back Emmett Smith used to say, I can see the opening when I'm running before the opening is there. That's how he became great, because he had this vision. He knew what was going to happen. God's word makes the unseeable seeable. God lets us see the openings. It gives us direction. It gives us light. Verse 137 says, You are righteous, Lord, and your laws are right. God's word is the principle. It's the standard of being correct. And we need a standard today, don't we? Of being correct. God's word is our standard. A couple more, then we're finished. The statutes you have, verse 138, the statutes you have laid down are righteous. They are fully trustworthy. You can rely and depend on God's word. You can rely and depend on God's word. And lastly, Psalm 165. Great peace of they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. One of the things we need today is harmony. We need harmony in our lives. We need harmony with each other. God's word 
brings harmony to our life. It brings a peace in our soul, and it brings peace to our mind. One of my prayers for my life is that when I'm on my deathbed, that I'll be quoting God's word back to him. There's nothing more important to you and me in this life that we live than knowing our God. I love to hunt and fish. My wife knows that. I probably do more than I should. But it's been kind of unique because my hunting lease is 10 minutes from here. <laughs> and I've never been to Possum Kingdom until last week, and I drove out here knowing that I was going to preach. One of the things I love to do is watch the sunset. I love sunsets. I love the sunrise. I love it in the morning when the birds are singing and life just the, the woods come alive I, I love to watch when the sun sets and the day is ending it's beautiful out here i was just thinking about it driving here i'm native american indian you know the long crier name and so these places were filled with native american indians i read about them and uh, how they used to roam these areas but I've often thought about them roaming these areas before it was tamed and civilized, how beautiful it must have looked to them and how beautiful it is to you and me. But there is nothing that compares to the beauty of heaven. And God's word prepares us for the beauty of heaven. You see, we get to see great sunsets and sunrises but nothing compares to what we're going to see and know in heaven. God's word prepares us for what it's going to be like to be with him for eternity. This beautiful place here, this will one day be destroyed by fire, the Bible tells us. We'll all be forgotten. But you know what scripture says? This will never be destroyed. And this will never be forgotten. And for the rest of eternity, we will spend eternity with the Word. God's Word. My wife and I had the privilege to go to uh, France. And while we were in France, I, my only request is that we would go to Normandy. Terry wanted to be in Paris. I wanted to be in Normandy. And so we got to uh, spend some time in Normandy. Got to walk on the beaches, Omaha Beach. We got to go to the Memorial Cemetery. And I don't know if you've ever been to the American Memorial Cemetery in Normandy. But you see the white crosses and you see the, st the monuments. One of the monuments, there was a writing inscribed by a, name, a guy named, a private named George Tilly. None of us know who George Tilly is. But if you study anything about D-Day and what happened on the beaches of Normandy, there were meteorologists, Dwight D. Eisenhower had meteorologists who studied that day, who had been studying the days before and the days after. And if they were, were to wait anywhere between June the 4th through June the 7th, they would have to wait two weeks to storm the beaches. And they thought if they waited two weeks to storm the beaches, then their 
uh, attack would no longer be secret. So the Allied forces planned to storm the beaches of Normandy between June the 4th and June the 7th. And so all the meteorologists and all the people that Dwight D. Eisenhower had established decided that June the 6th was the right day. The weather would be right, the tide would be right, and they would be able to avoid the obstacles that the Nazis, the Germans, had put in the ocean to stop their thwart. So they decided June 6th, D-Day. They stormed the beaches, as we know, to stop the uh, Axis troops, and that changed the world forever that day. <coughs> but on this monument that I read were these words by the man George Tilly. He said, we had to know where we were. They're storming the beaches. We had to know where we were. We had to know where we were going. We couldn't be wrong. We had to avoid disaster. So on that morning when the tide went out, but the fog and the rain set in, these men, these allied troops, had to know where they were on the beach, where they were in the ocean. They had to know where they were going. They had to be right. They couldn't miss it. Without God's word, we will not know where we are. Without God's word, we will not know where we're going. And without God's word, we will surely find disaster. This is what gives us victory in life. It's God's word. Let me leave you with this last verse. It's one of my favorite in the whole chapter of Psalms 119. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. May our hearts be set on keeping God's decrees to the very end. God bless you. Thanks for letting me be here, David. Oh, you're dismissed. I don't know what the, how you do things here. You're dismissed. <laughs>